You're listening to the Word of Life AG Podcast. This is the message from this week's service. If you want to view the full service, including worship, please head to our website at wordoflifeag.org. While there, you can also see what's coming up at the church, or even check out some next steps. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning. I'm so glad you guys are here and that you've joined us this morning. If this is your first time with us this morning, I just want to give you a warm welcome. If you're joining us online, good morning. Um, So we've been, we started this series a couple weeks ago. Um, We're talking about being set apart and we're going through the fruit of the spirit. And so if you missed the last two weeks, uh, we've already gone through uh, love and joy. Make sure that you catch up. You can go to our website or YouTube, our YouTube channel and catch up on those. So we've been talking about how the fruit of the spirit sets us apart from the world. And we've been going through Galatians 5.22, which says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. When we read this verse, it's easy to see each one of these qualities as separate fruits. However, this verse, when referring to fruit, is actually referring to the fruit as singular. So one piece of fruit, but there are many ways to describe it. So if I have this apple, I pull this apple off the tree, I could describe this apple as sweet, as crunchy, as green. Then I could go to the tree and I could pull off another apple It's still going to be green, it's still going to be crunchy, and it's still going to be sweet. No matter what fruit I pull off of this tree, it is still going to be an apple. And I will still use the same words to describe it. This is the same with the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit with many attributes. So when we follow Jesus... These are the things that are evident in our life. The things that are evident in our life are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we talked about love the first week. We talked about joy the second week. Can anybody guess what we're talking about today? Peace. Peace. We are talking about peace today. So let's go ahead and pray. If everyone could just close their eyes and just... um, Ask the Holy Spirit to speak with, to you this morning through this message. God, we just, um, God, we just come to you ready to receive what you have for us today. God, I pray that um, what you want to speak would be what's spoken this morning. God, we pray that each one of us would take away something today from this message. Something that would encourage us or challenge us in our walk with you that would help us to be set apart from the world and we pray this in jesus name amen amen Amen. so we're talking about peace this morning well in the old testament the hebrew word for peace is shalom and it means completeness soundness welfare and peace and it we see it 
used often in the Old Testament, but one place that we see it used is in Isaiah. And shalom is used in Isaiah to describe Jesus. It says in Isaiah 9, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus would bring peace. He would bring completeness. He would bring welfare or health. He would bring shalom. He would bring salvation, the ultimate peace for our souls. We know that peace is important and something we should value because Jesus did and he does value peace. The word peace is in the New Testament over 90 times. You can find it over 90 times in the New Testament. So you can imagine while I was preparing this message, trying to pick what verses I wanted to use, I had a lot to choose from and a lot to leave out. But there are over 90 verses that mention peace. And it's mentioned in every single book of the New Testament. The Greek word in the New Testament for peace is irene. Or sometimes, I think in our American language, we pronounce it as irene, but it's irene. And irene means wholeness. It means wholeness. So it's continuing the Old Testament promise found in the Hebrew word shalom. This is what Thomas Schreiner has to say about the word Irene. He says, peace, or Irene, is commonly used in the opening of Pauline letters. Paul conjoins it with joy elsewhere, and such peace is the result of the Spirit's work. Christ Jesus has brought peace to both Jews and Gentiles via the cross. Peace should rule in the Christian community. See, the Holy Spirit gives us peace. And therefore, peace should reign in our personal lives, and it should reign in our community. It should reign in the community of Christ. So our peace should set us apart. Our peace should set us apart. It should set us apart from the world. In John 14, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Moeller says as he says, Jesus returned to the topic of peace in the midst of turmoil. Peace is more than just the absence of strife. Peace refers to well-being and blessing. Jesus blesses his followers with his peace. The well-being that is the result of being in a right relationship with him. The peace the world gives is dependent on life circumstances. The peace that the world gives is dependent on life's circumstances. See, the peace that the world has to offer, the peace that the world seeks after, is shallow. It's circumstantial. It depends on what's going on around me, what kind of day I'm having, what kind of people are around me, what room I'm in. The conditions have to be perfect in order for me to feel at peace. See, in Greek mythology, the goddess of peace is actually the same Greek word used for peace in the New Testament. Her name is Irene, or also known as Irene. And there's a picture of her on the screen. 
And you can see that she's holding what looks like a little baby. Um, however, that is actually the um, god Plutos. And the god Plutos was believed to be the god of wealth. So peace is holding wealth. And the interesting thing about that is the reason that she's carrying Plutos or wealth is because it was thought that peace would bring about wealth in the Greek society. Now, the Greek society influenced the Roman society. And they, their view of peace, it was distorted. Their peace was shallow because they believed that this sense of peace would help them build their empire. And it was shallow. At a political level, peace was all dependent on there being no wars and no trouble. And trouble and wars, we know, are expensive. And that means that the tax money that was being spent on military meant that it wasn't being spent on the empire. It wasn't being spent on the indulgences of the empire. This is also why religious leaders were able to manipulate the Roman officials into killing Jesus. Because Jesus was seen as causing trouble. And the Romans were worried about Jesus disturbing the peace. The Romans were worried about the outcome because of the division that it was causing. And for this reason, Jesus was killed. This is the reason the Romans killed Jesus, was all to keep the peace so that they could continue to build their empire. See, the world's idea of peace has always been based on the perfect set of circumstances, and it has never led to inner peace. It's never led to inner peace. In fact, the Oxford Dictionary even defines peace as freedom from disturbance and tranquility. The circumstances and seasons have to be tranquil to have peace. And we see this reflected in the world. Peace is when everyone agrees with me. Peace is when I am happy. Peace is when the world around me is peaceful. In fact, worldly and surface level peace will do whatever it takes to get away or to get rid of whatever infringes on my feelings of peace. Yet, the Bible defines peace as wholeness. It is a state of being, and it is despite our circumstances. Our peace shouldn't be disrupted based on our circumstances. Jesus' words were, I don't give peace as the world does. Don't be troubled. I will give you peace despite your troubles, despite your circumstances. It says in John, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I don't give to you as the world gives. Stop looking for the peace that the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Because true peace is only found in Jesus. True peace can only be found in Jesus. This kind of peace is a deep kind of peace. It's not a shallow peace. Jesus' peace can be felt deep down, even when on the surface we feel anxious, sad, or even scared. When we walk in this peace that is from Jesus, we walk in wholeness. 
and Mark, it says, Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him that what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace or go in wholeness. Your suffering is over. Jesus said, go in wholeness. This woman, she was desperate to find healing from the torment of her condition that she had experienced for years. It says for 12 years that she had experienced this. And that kind of sickness, it wasn't just hard on her body, but it meant she was an outcast. It meant she didn't live within her own community. She wasn't allowed to. She couldn't marry. She couldn't worship in the temple. And she was isolated and alone. But Jesus made her whole. He gave her peace. She could rejoin the community. She could worship at the temple again. She could now be married. And she was free to live in the peace that only Jesus could bring her. She no longer needed to live a life of suffering or a life of rejection. Just in one instant, it was all gone. In one instant, Jesus made her whole. He gave her the peace that she had been searching for for 12 years. And then there's another story I want to share with you, and I, you can find that in Luke. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited them, him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And then... Jesus goes on to tell a parable here. And the parable he shares, he's sharing it with this Pharisee named Simon. And the parable is about two men who owe money to a lender. Someone who lent them money. One owes 50 denarii, one owes 500 denarii. And he tells a story and he asks the question to Simon. He says, if the lender was to forgive both of them, of their debts because they could not pay them. Who would love the lender more? And Simon replies, of course the one who owed more would. So then Jesus goes on to apply this to the situation with this woman, or this woman. And it says, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman, she was desperate. She was desperate to be forgiven of her sins, to live in wholeness. She didn't want to live in the sin that was robbing her of her peace. And Jesus tells her that because of her faith, her desperation, her belief in him, that she is forgiven and to now go live in wholeness. So I forgive you, but now go live in wholeness. Leave your li that life behind and go live in the wholeness that I have for you. We all desire that same wholeness, the same peace. This is a peace that we feel in our souls. It's the feeling of relief to be at peace with ourselves and at peace with Jesus. In both of these stories, we see that both women made the choice to actively pursue the peace that only Jesus could give. We have to actively pursue the wholeness that he has for us. When we walk in the peace that is from Jesus, we walk in wholeness. Second thing is we build togetherness. Matthew, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When we understand that we are children of God and we live out the peace that he has given us, then we will be peacemakers. One of the commentaries I read this week um, says this. It says, but the real peacemakers are those who bring the good news that your God reigns, who brings ultimate harmony between all peoples, making peace, therefore, has messianic overtones. Prince of Peace, as in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. We read that verse at the beginning, which says that the Messiah will be the Prince of Peace. And the true peacemakers are those who wait and work for God, who make whole the division created by humans. We are called to bring wholeness to division. Not to cause more division, but to bring wholeness to divided situations. When my oldest son, Elijah, was probably five or six um, at our church in New Jersey, he was in kids' church one weekend, and for some reason this just really stuck with him. He had learned about peacemakers and how we're all meant to be peacemakers and not peace breakers. So he loved this so much that he came home and he decided to go ahead and use it. Um, so he would often, you would often hear him saying to Moses, my youngest son saying, Moses, are you being a peacemaker or a peacebreaker? See, Elijah understood that there is peace when I bring my peace to the room rather than adding division. That does not mean that Elijah always lived it all the time. He was very good at pointing it out in others, not always seeing that for himself when he was not bringing peace, when he was 
being a peace breaker. So do you see yourself or do you think others see you as a peacemaker or do you find yourself at times being a peace breaker? In Romans it says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. We are not called to just be peacemakers amongst those who believe the same way as us, or those who are Christians, or those we get along with. But we're called to be peacemakers even amongst our enemies, even maybe those people that we're at odds at with, or maybe the people that just kind of rub us the wrong way. We're still meant to be peacemakers in those situations. It's easy to be a peacemaker in a situation that is easy and everyone is loving each other in that moment. But it's difficult when it's somebody who is a little bit more challenging. Peacemakers are kind and they go out of their way to provide for the needs of their enemies or those that they're at odds with. When was the last time you did something kind for someone that you might consider a difficult person or someone that you're at odds with or maybe even an enemy? Do you bring peace to situations and people that are difficult? Or is being right the most important thing to you? Do all things you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all things, all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Another commentary says, The charge to live at peace with everyone is hedged about with two qualifying statements. If it be possible, suggest that there are instances in human relations when the strongest desire for concord will not avail. If disharmony and conflict should come, however, we should accept the responsibility for resolving it. Believers may not be able to persuade the other party, but they can at least refuse to be the instigator of trouble. God wants us to be peacemakers. We should see it as our responsibility to resolve disharmony. We should not be the ones who stir up conflict or are instigators such as slander or gossip. We are called to be peacemakers. We are called to bring the peace that Jesus gives us. The peace that he gives us, right? We can't do it on our own. On our own, we will always fail. See, it's different in the world, right? We have cancel culture. You do something I don't like, you're done. There is this need to prove everyone wrong. And it's, our peace is selfish, right? It's all to benefit ourselves and to help us feel at peace. It doesn't matter if everybody, our idea of bringing peace to ourselves actually robs peace from other people, just as long as I'm feeling peaceful. The world has its own style of peace, but this is deep, and it t always takes the first step. It always takes the high road. When we walk in the peace that is from Jesus, we walk in wholeness, we build togetherness, and we continually grow. 
In 2 Corinthians, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Live. Live in harmony and wholeness then the God of love and wholeness will be with you. So if you choose to live in wholeness and choose to live in harmony with people, then God's love and wholeness will be with you. We have to grow in maturity, and that means growing in wholeness. The things we go through give us opportunities to grow, to depend on Jesus, and to trust him. When we grow in our relationship with Jesus and we surrender more and more areas of our lives to him, we will grow in maturity. As we surrender more, we become more whole and we grow in our maturity. And then we will have joy and we will want to encourage others as well. And we will live in the peace with others, in peace with others, and we will live in the wholeness that God has for us. If we do these things, if we grow, we will live in that wholeness. This wholeness and peace can only come by growing. It can only come by growing. And only by surrendering and by living less in our flesh and more in him and the peace that he's given us. It requires us to stretch. And stretching isn't fun. It's uncomfortable. And it takes us having to look at ourselves and admit that maybe I could be better in this area. Maybe I need to grow in this area. It means opening up ourselves to hearing what God is saying to us and wanting us to grow in. And just because we've said yes to Jesus doesn't mean that we automatically grow. Yes, when we say yes to Jesus, there are a lot of things that change drastically in our life. But if we want to keep growing, it has to be an active choice. It has to be a decision that we make, a decision to grow. It means that I shouldn't be the same last year as I am today. I should be a better person today than I was last year. I should be actively looking for the places in my life that are holding me back from the relationship that God wants with me. Stretching is difficult. It's hard. But it is necessary to live in peace. Because the things we need to grow in are also the things that are probably keeping us from his peace or keeping us from accessing that peace that he already has given us or he has for us. When we walk in the peace that is from Jesus, we walk in wholeness, we build togetherness, we continually grow, and we choose holiness. We have to choose holiness. Holiness means to be set apart. The definition is to be set apart. This is what this whole series about is about, right? Is being set apart in the world. That we should look different than the world, and holiness does that. Our pursuit of holiness automatically means we will 
stand out. To choose holiness will naturally set you apart from the world. First Thessalonians, it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God wants to make you whole in every way. He wants you to choose wholeness. He wants you to choose to be holy, choose holiness. He wants you to live in his peace. He wants you to stay away from the things that are contrary to his peace, the things that are going to rob you of his peace. He wants you to live set apart. He wants us to be holy, to stay away from sin, to stay away from strife. He wants us to live in his wholeness. To be set apart means we have to actively live the way God wants us to live. To be set apart will require you to let go of the things that keep you from being whole. And it means actively staying away and getting rid of anything that does not honor God. It's a continual process to pursue holiness. We have to continually be looking at the things that maybe aren't God-honoring or the things in our life that God doesn't really want there. They're taking the place of him. Or maybe they have empty promises. Or maybe they're just sinful in nature. Second Corinthians says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward the complete holiness because we fear God. That's Second Corinthians 7.1. So let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or our spirit. And let us work together toward complete holiness because we fear God. We need to look to live in complete holiness. We need to look for those things that are keeping us away from his, the holiness that he has for us, for the peace that he has for us. What happens when we value peace and we value holiness Philippians says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. His peace is the kind of peace that we can find when it doesn't make sense to have peace. When we choose his peace, it will help us to see with the perspective of Jesus. So in those situations where peace doesn't make sense, when we actively choose the peace that he has for us it also gives us perspective it gives us the opportunity to see our situation different for it to be less consuming and then it says his peace will guard our hearts and our minds it means it keeps us from spiraling in our thoughts have you ever been there where there's just a situation that is, you're worrying about, and you just let your mind go there, right? And when you let your mind go there, it just becomes overwhelming. And you no longer are able to see that situation with a clear perspective because it's overwhelming you. But if we go to the peace that God has for us, it means we will have his perspective in our situations. 
See, naturally, I am a worrier. I have been a worrier since I was a kid, and it is something I've always struggled. I, I think I have the wrinkles in my forehead to prove it. Um, but ever since I was a little kid, I have worried. It's something that every day I have to make active decisions not to worry so much. And some days it's, I fail at it, and some days I can rise above it, and I really feel like I'm living in God's peace. And then there's other times where I try to live in my own peace, and it doesn't really work out. But the best example where I have seen this peace in my life was during my pregnancy with our twins, Esther and Moses. And at about 18 weeks, I started having complications in that pregnancy. And I had to go up to the ER and they had to do an ultrasound. And I'd already seen lots of ultrasounds through my pregnancy with Elijah and up to this point in my pregnancy with the twins. And I remember sitting there and seeing this ultrasound and I could see that it wasn't right. I could see that there wasn't something, that something was just not right about that ultrasound. And I remember Tom and I going and sitting in the room after the ultrasound in the ER waiting for the doctor to come around and I just, I just knew that the doctor didn't have great news for us. And the doctor came in and he said, hey, like, you're body is trying to deliver the twins. It's your, you have a hemorrhage and your body is trying to give birth to these babies at 18 weeks. They're way too little to give birth to at that point. And um, they told me that there wasn't, that they were going to try a last ditch surgery in order to try to keep them, but that they hadn't really had any success with people that were so early in their pregnancy. So I went home and Tom and I were at the house and uh, was waiting for the doctor to call and who knows when the doctor calls at night, that's not good news. The doctor called me and he just said the same thing as the doctor. He said, hey, you know, he used to call me kiddo. So he just said, hey kiddo, this probably, you know, this isn't looking good. We're going to do what we can, but you know, this is probably about a 50-50 chance that this is going to work, maybe even less than that. And so the next morning we had to go in. To, I had to go in there for surgery and walked in. The doctor's waiting at the door for me when I come in. And I remember on the drive in, though, like, I knew in my head, I, like, I was, I was worried and I was concerned, of course. But deep down, I felt this peace. And God started bringing back to me um, just scriptures, you know, like that he knit together them in my womb, that they were his babies, that they, he loved them more than I possibly ever could, that I needed to trust him. And I remember we were driving in, and I was just like, there's peace that doesn't quite make sense, even though, you know, I can feel this sense of worry, but yet there's this peace. And we got up to the room and we went into the hospital room and they, he said, I want to look at an ultrasound again. I want to look at and see what we're looking at before we start the procedure. And so he brought out the ultrasound and looked and immediately I could see what was there was gone. What was there the day before was gone. The ultrasound looked great and he said, I can't see what they were talking about. It's just not there. Like you're completely fine. And I remember that moment just being so grateful to God and the doctor not knowing what was going on. 
But in God's peace was just in that room. It was in the car as we were driving up. But that's the same peace I've also felt in other situations which haven't always worked out the way I want them to as well. That's just one situation where it did. And there are other times when I haven't actually felt that same peace because I've let myself be overwhelmed with worry. But I want that kind of peace to be my everyday experience. That no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, that that peace is what I feel. And I think you would say that too. That that's the kind of peace that you want to feel every single day. Because we all have conflict. We all have difficult relationships. We all have challenging things in our life that can easily rob us of the peace that God has for us. The, pre, the peace that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. That peace that sets us apart so easily. There are so, there are so many things that can easily get in the way of that. There's no shortage of confrontation or opposition. It's so easy to preach about this. And, some, but, and something I would expect that all of us already want in our lives. But we also know that it is so difficult. It can be very challenging. It can be easy to say and much more difficult to live out. But this is why it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because he's the one building and cultivating this in our lives. He's the one who gives it to us. And it means we have to rely less on ourselves and more on him. The peace I felt when I should have been overwhelmed about the twins is the peace I want to have in every circumstance, every day. And it's what I want for you guys. I want you to experience that peace as well. If we start to see a greater level of peace overflowing from the lives of believers, from all of us, we will, we will definitely be different. And we will definitely be set apart because it's not what the world looks like at all. If we live in that peace, it will look different and people will want that peace. Because we will walk in wholeness. We will walk in the wholeness that he has for us. And we will build togetherness because we will value our community over our own ideas and our own desire to be right. And we will continually grow because we understand that when I grow, I feel more fulfilled. I can see the fruit of spirit in my life greater when I am growing. I can see those changes happening and my life becoming more about him and less about me me understanding that I have to let go and let him reign in my life in all areas. And we will choose holiness, which means we will run from everything that keeps us from him. The things that he doesn't desire in our life, we won't want them either. Because we understand that when we're living in his holiness, that there is a wholeness and a peace. Our peace should set us apart. 
And true peace is only found in Jesus. John 14 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If everyone would stand with me. We're going to get ready to go back into worship. But before we do that, what I would like to do is I would like us all to close our eyes. Because I just want to ask you a few questions. If you would say today that you're not living in wholeness or maybe you've been letting the world's sense of peace be the peace that you go after we want to pray with you today because i want to pray that you will go in his wholeness if you would say today that you know i have a tendency to either add to the division or to the lack of peace or maybe I'm the one who comes into the room and disturbs the peace. I want to pray with you today as well. And if you would say that, you know what? I'm not growing. I haven't been actively making those decisions to grow. I haven't been stretching the way that God wants me to stretch. I've been kind of just happy maintaining. Or maybe it's choosing holiness. Maybe you would say, you know what? There are some things I really need to let go of in my life that are holding me back from the peace that God has for me. If any of those things today that we talked about, you would say, yeah, that's me. If you would just put your hand up so I can pray for you. hands up everywhere that so you just stick your hand up and I'm gonna go ahead and I want to pray for you God I just pray right now for every single person that has their hands up and those online that um, are also responding God I pray right now God that there would be this great sense of peace that would just come over them God I pray that they would see the wholeness that you have for them God that they would walk in that wholeness God that they would choose your wholeness God that they would choose to live in unity with others God that they would choose to bring the peace that you've given them into the community into their lives into their jobs God into their life groups into the grocery store anywhere that they go God that it would look different God we pray God for those who would say I'm just not actively growing it's been a long time since I said God I need you to take this I need you to help me grow in this area I want to be different I want to be how you have made me to be if that's you I want to pray for you today that you would make that next step to say this is an area in my life that I need to grow in an area that I'm gonna try every day that I'm gonna surrender it over to God so that I can grow in this area and if it's holiness God we just pray right now God over the things that um, are holding us back maybe the things that are not God honoring I pray that we would just let them go that we would just get rid of them, that we would put our focus solely on you and get rid of anything that is keeping us from that. God, I pray that we would be set apart. God, I pray that as a church we would live set apart, that we wouldn't look like the world, 
because it's not working. But God, that we would look different because we serve a God who is greater and bigger than everything that we could possibly come up against. God, I pray that we would just walk in that being set apart, God, that we would bring that into every area of our life. We wouldn't just look to blend in, but we would look to bring others, to gather others into being this life of living with you, God. God, I pray that we would be a church that is willing to just go out and be set apart and to show people who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go ahead and worship.